God is so faithful. He is a good, good God. We've been in a series uh, we're calling In His Name for uh, several weeks now. We're going to go and put a few scriptures up on the screen and then we'll move on from there. We'll pick up where we were last week. Uh, Mark 16, 15. You don't have to turn to these. We'll put them up on the screen for the sake of time. Uh, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 7 uh, well, go back to verse 15. It says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our commission. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. And then he, he, makes, he sets out a list here. They'll cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. They drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. We are to go out and do uh, preaching the gospel. That means just proclaiming. Doesn't mean you have to yell, but that means proclaiming. You proclaim the gospel by your life, by your words, by your actions, by your relationships, uh, and of course by what, what we say uh, to others. But we are to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, but it's in His name that we're doing this. We, we touched on this some. In His name means we're doing it on His behalf. It's just as if Jesus were doing it. He gives us a task, us a task to do, and then we carry it out here on the earth. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In uh, verse 18, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he said, there, Go therefore. So we covered this some. He's saying, All authority has been given to me. You go, therefore. Well, he is if he's telling us to go, that's because he has all authority and he is delegating that authority to us for us to do what he told us to do. And we covered this some. But if, if you work for an organization or you're involved in any organization and uh, somebody that is your uh, superior in that organization commissions you to do something on behalf of the organization, you're doing it in the name of the organization, not, on, not in your behalf. You do things on the behalf of organizations uh, that you, that aren't your personal life. You know, you're on the clock, so to say. You're doing it, you're working because somebody at work asked you to do something, and that's company business. You know, what you do on your lunch hour and your break, that's your business. But you don't go do a bunch of stuff on your business, or, or that's your business when you're supposed to be doing the company's business. Anything that they give you to do is actually in the name of the company. You are acting on behalf of the company. And that's the same way it is with the gospel. Jesus has commissioned his church, Christians, to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel, and a part of He's given a specific task to every individual, and we're doing it on his behalf, in his name. That's what in his name means, in his authority, on his behalf. Real quickly, uh, Luke 24. Now, we'll, we'll skip Luke 24. Um, let's go ahead and just read this going forward. We've, we've covered this uh, a, a few times. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 
Um, we'll go to verse 20, actually, in the New Living Translation. Can we put it up in the New Living Translation? Um, it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We've covered this a number of times, um, that an ambassador is, is a, one that works on behalf of somebody. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Like we were talking about a company, you could be, you know, you're, you're a worker of the company. They don't, we don't, you really use the term ambassador in that context. But really, you're a messenger, you're a representative. You do hear that a lot. You're a representative of the company. There are different um, configurations that, that people use in the business world where there's a company that actually sells the product, but then they have local reps that they don't work for the company, but they represent the company in that local market. They're the ones that maybe have the relationship with the local um, people, but they represent, they, they are authorized to represent the company and represent the product. Well, we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ here on the earth to do His work. In other words, it's as if He were here doing the work, and we are His representative to get that done. Philippians 3.20, we, we covered this. We're just reviewing, get everybody on the same page, and then we're going to pick up where we were last week. Um, Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. So as a Christian, you, spiritually speaking, your citizenship is not here on the earth. It is in heaven. And so regardless of where you came from, regardless of what your, your natural heritage is, your real home is in heaven. And we are all, as Christians, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, that is in your future. You are going to go home to heaven at some point. If Jesus doesn't come back, uh, in our lifetimes, well, we're going to pass on and go the way all mankind do, and we're going to go over. That's not a bad thing. I'd be surprised, but, you know, people have been saying this for a long time. They, people have been thinking Jesus is going to come back in their generation for, for a long time. Now, do we believe that we're closer than ever? Well, we know that. <laughs> we're closer than we ever have been. We're closer than we were yesterday. But we don't know for sure. We believe, which the signs you see and the, the, the stuff that's going on in the world, there's a lot of great things going on in the world. And there's revival going on in so many parts of the world. There are thousands of people uh, being saved in, in uh, China a day and different countries. Uh, there's revival Indonesia. There's a lot of things going Things that you would not hear reported on um, the news there's a lot of good, but there's also obviously a lot of junk rising up. But don't let that get you down. There is a lot of light going on. Don't, don't be uh, deceived by the fact that you hear a lot of negative proclaim. That's the way mankind is. That, you know, just get around a bunch of people that aren't Christians. They're just going to, they're going to gravitate toward the negative. So just because negative is reported and it's getting bad and some Christians can fall into it, it's, it's, it's easy to fall into that and, and think, Oh boy, it's just getting so bad. What are we going to do? We serve the king of the universe and his will is going to be done on this earth. As we wind it up, we're going to win. That's what's going to happen. Don't fall into this. Well, we just don't know. I mean, it's getting really bad. That's glorifying the devil. That's acting like he is on the throne. 
Now, he's going to mess around and he's going to do what he's doing on the earth, going about deceiving people and causing you know, chaos like he always has done. But we have authority over him and we are here in the name of the king. And so we are, at some point, uh, we're going to enter into heaven. That's our home. But while we're here, we need to occupy and on behalf of the king, do what we're supposed to do. But don't be pushed into this mindset that somehow, you know, it's just getting dark and the devil's taking over. He's not going to take over. Eventually, we're going to be out of here. Christian, when, when the light goes out and there is no church for a little bit on the earth, it's going to get dark, but you know, then people are still going to come back and they're going to believe and that's not going to be a good place to live. But the, the thing, the force that's keeping the enemy back right now is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the good people were taken out of the way, oh, it's a mad dash to just complete chaos. Right? If there's nothing restraining, nobody say, no, this isn't right. Everybody's just going to go give in to whatever. That's, that, that, that would, uh, that's not going to look good. But right now, we have to understand, we're the force that is resisting right now. You just being in the presence of people on your job or different people, you are a light. You are a representative of Him. But we are citizens of heaven. We're, we're, not, we're not really at home right now, even if you're at the place that you would call physical home, you're not home. We will get home, and that is going to be glorious. When, when we step in to the place called heaven and see the saints, see, I mean, who we are, Christians, see the presence of God, see the Lord Jesus, that is not a fairy tale, that's in our future. It's amazing. So right now, that's home. We're away from home. What are we going to do all away from home? What do you ask us to do? And that's what we're talking about. But we are citizens of heaven. Uh, we are workers then with him on earth. Just a, a, a couple more scriptures. We'll just put these up quick. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 in the New Living Translation. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. He goes ahead and says some other things. But as God's partners, I want you to see that. Can you go ahead and put up the New King James on that? We'll put up that too. On, uh, yep. uh, we then as workers together with him. See, we, he is the king. He is the head. He has commissioned us to go forth on this earth. And in his name, we're to carry out his work. So we're workers with him. We're partners with him. And so we are his representatives. We are created in the image of God and to walk out his plan here on the earth. Now, we, got, we stepped into this last week, and so I want to pick up here. That's all... Uh, you know, kind of review where we've been and delay a bit of foundation. Now, what we touched on last week, I want to get into now. Let's uh, look at Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28, sorry, in the New King James. Come to me. Now, this is Jesus. 
He says, come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now, let's just stop right here. We have been talking about we are his representatives. We're carrying out his work. And we touched on it last week, and I want to continue today. How, an element of how we're carrying out the work that he's given us to do. So we are partners with him. We're fellow workers with him. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are to work in his name, do what he would ask us to do. So then, how does that look? Is he a hard taskmaster? Is he somebody that's driving his church? Is he driving his fellow workers? Is he driving his partners? Is he, you know, beating his ambassadors over the head? Is the work just completely hard, strenuous? You got to use every fiber of your being to get done what he asked you to do because it'll push you so hard. What is, what does that look like? Because we, a few things, we need to understand how we're supposed to walk this out and what, what, how to identify what's him and what's not him. Because there are a lot of ideas out there about what it looks like to serve God. If you're going to be his partner and his ambassador, what does that look like? See, religion, when you talk about uh, serving a God, let's remove Christianity from it for a moment, just on the earth serving a God, uh, religion made by man has all kinds of ideas of what that looks like. And most of it is you grovel, you bow your knee, you rub your face in the dirt, and you hope and you do everything you possibly humanly can do to appease this God. I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about man-made religion and hope that it's enough for that God to have to shine it, you know, its face on you and, and, and accept you. That's religion. But it's in Christianity, too. And some of it looks like this. Uh, you know, when I was in the Philippines, this happens. I, I went to the Philippines just for um, a missions trip in 2005 when I was at Rama, and for about nine days. And uh, it was a marvelous experience. And uh, we were there at Easter time. We actually, you know, we went there to help uh, further establish a church. The person that was hosting had been there for 26 years and at that time had uh, you know, a big church in Manila and 20 other churches and now there are like 46 churches and influenced that whole area and into Asia and everything. But we were at, on an island, we went to an island and preached the gospel and then they'd have crusades at night and we were going around helping to get that church started. I'd been going, but then we, they were gonna have these crusades uh, several nights in a row, so we'd go door to door you know, every culture's different here, that, that would work, and these people, we would go into their, their, um, their homes if they invite us in, and we'd preach the gospel, we had a translator, you know, Philippines is, uh, speaks English, but when you get out of the main area, they speak all kinds of different dialects, so they speak some English, some Tagalog, which is a, another common dialect or uh, language, but we were out in this on this island. So these people did not speak a lot of English, so we had a translator, but we would just very simply share the gospel with them. And then we'd ask them if, they, if people needed to be healed. And we saw people get up that couldn't walk. Um, we prayed. I specifically prayed for a girl. You know, we went, 
And uh, we had these Jehovah Witnesses showed up at the same place at the same time that we did. You know, the kid, they, they, they commission, uh, you know, the young men, they go out and go two by two and uh, all over the world. And in the middle of the Philippines, these guys were there at the same time we were. And at the same house, we're walking up. And, uh, you know, this is a side note, but I'll just share it. Um, so we, there was this girl that had a blind eye. And she couldn't see. And I'm right in front of these Jehovah Witnesses. And we're like, you know, we're learning. But we just prayed for right in front of them. Well, there's a lot of doubt and unbelief right there. And we didn't really preach the gospel to her first. And that's, I learned that um, more in fact. Unless God leads you, share the gospel, get them born again if you can first. Then it's their rights and privileges to get them healed. Unless it's a move of the Spirit. See, then it's, it's, they have the right to be healed. And unless it's a move of God, you don't just go and, you know, you got to be led by Him. But anyway, we prayed, nothing happened. And uh, just, you got these two people you know are completely thinking you're nuts. They're, they're, for, they're trying to convert them to something else, and you're there at the same time. <laughs> Awkward. Um, so, and then, you know, but we ended up getting into their house and going, and then their whole family, once we got away from that and just started to share the gospel with them, they, had, they brought their whole family around. It was in this upper little part that had some steps, and I remember... Uh, we came and they, there was another girl in the family that was having, uh, she was having a real headache with something had been going on and we prayed for her and she said her head just started feeling like it was floating and, and just felt good and everything was, go, was uh, fine. And we came back to this girl and just shared, started speaking the word with her and, and uh, putting uh, the gospel in her and healing. And then we prayed for her and she started to see light in her eye. It started to change. She could not see anything. And light started to come, and it started. We just said, you stay on it, you believe the word, and just, uh, just keep it going. So we, we left there. But we, you know, I, there was this girl, this lady with arthritis that she just could not hardly walk her, um, down in her legs. And I remember, I have a, pretty sure I have a picture of her. I was just looking through this stuff the other day. Um, but I had a journal, uh, these different things. And uh, she was... Um, she could, she had all this kind of pain and you know, my partner prayed for her and she was just walking around so excited. And we just got, we saw thing after thing after thing to where you just get to where you're just bold. I mean, the, the, the people were so receptive. You know, you go in and they want you to pray. They, they're, they're so open because they don't have hope. They don't go down to the doctor. You're on an island. There's not all this stuff and they're, they're looking for help. And so they were expecting, and we started out, and we, the first night, so we go and have pamphlets and just go door to door and, and minister to these people, and then we'd invite them to the meeting, and it was in this, it was just open, it had a, a roof, but the sides were open air, and it was kind of like, you know, a common area, and it was big, I mean, it was bigger than, than this, and um, they had music, we had instruments set up, and I played there one night with them, and then every night we had... Uh, the, uh, a healing rally, God, uh, praying for, or just sharing the gospel. And um, so you, I mean, we have pictures of it. At the beginning, there was just kind of the front filled, and then the next night, you know, a good portion was filled, and the last night, it was packed. People just were, the word was getting out there, and, and people were coming. And um, so that church, there was a church that came out of that. Anyway, in the Philippines, 
So we were there at Easter. We did all that, and we did some other things, and then we came back to Manila, and we were at that, their church, uh, the, the church in Manila, on Easter Sunday. But we, we didn't see it firsthand, but heard about it then, and you've probably heard about it. I see it in the news every year. But at Easter time, there are people there that they've come out of um, certain beliefs, and they believe that they need to do something for God. They, they, they call themselves Christians, but they allow themselves to be crucified, not to death, but to be nailed to a cross. If you haven't, go, 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 Philippines crucifixion. You'll see any number of stories on it, because it happens every year. They allow themselves, and they think they're pleasing God. They don't die, but they, they allow themselves. And these people, they got scars and stuff. They allow themselves to be nailed, and it's this thing they go through every year. But that was like, I think, probably the first time I had heard about it. But I, then, since then, just at Easter time, you'll see it. It comes up every year in the news. And if you just Google it, there'd be any number of articles about it. But they, they are thinking that's the way. They're bearing their part. I'm sure if you talk to them, they're sincere. They think they're doing something for Jesus. Jesus already died on the cross. He did that part. He's not asking you to be crucified. He's not asking you... To, to have this heavy burden. He did that part. Is, but some people believe that's pleasing to God. That's what, if you're going to really serve God, man, you go and you go all the way and really suffer for Him. Well, we need to understand, this is kind of another topic, but it's related. The suffering that we do as Christians is not suffering, uh, it's not suffering physical ailment. It's not suffering so much that, you know, you're breaking your body down. That would be dumb, because you break your body down, now you can't do anything for the gospel. There is a suffering of putting your flesh down, not doing your will, doing what he would do. There is that. Some people want to eliminate suffering. See, always there's two, two uh, sides of the road. Some people say, oh no, Jesus bore everything, we don't have to suffer anything. Anything that makes me the slightest bit uncomfortable, I don't want anything to do with. Other people think, like with the film, you're going to suffer and it's hard and you need to do everything. No, it's in the middle. Again, we go and serve him. And there's some things that, yeah, you're going to have to put your flesh down. If you think you're not going to have to change in your flesh and just serve God, you're wrong. You will. But what does it look like? Is it allowing yourself to be crucified? No. Is it wearing yourself out so much that you can't function? No. Is it just being stressed all the time and trying to fill every available moment of time? No. But is it just sit back and let God do everything? No. Because God's not going to just... He gave us a job. If we are co-workers with Him, if we're partners with Him, that means... We're working with him to accomplish something. He is giving us something to do on his behalf. He's commissioning us to do something. But we need to understand it is not driving and hard. Do you, uh, something can be uncomfortable, but you still have peace through it and you be at rest. You know what I mean? You could have something that's really not that uncomfortable and you could be stressed out of your mind about it. So just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not godly. Doesn't some, just, just, just something's easy doesn't mean it's godly. 
We need to discern what does the will of God look like. It is going to be something that God is having you to do on His behalf. You're doing it on His behalf. He's going to ask you to do it. It won't necessarily be something that always makes you comfortable, but it's not going to stress you out and destroy you either. You can, in other words, you can have complete and perfect peace in the will of God, walking with Him, and still be, you could be at peace, you could be calm, you could be at rest. You got to change some things, but you know what? You're willing to do it, and God's helping you to do it, so it's not, oh, I'm changing it. It's, yeah, we're going to do this, and by the strength of Him, His Spirit, you can do it, not your own. Okay, we're going to get into this in a minute, but I just, another thing came, I'll share this. Uh, Reverend Brian McCallum, he came out here you know, many years ago. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. He's one of my instructors at Raymond. He would share this example. He said, when you try to do something in the flesh, do it with your own strength. This is what it looks like. You try to push it down in your own strength. It's like something pops up and it's your flesh. And you try to put it down with the flesh. You can push it down. But you know what? It'll pop up in a different area in your flesh. So you try to knock it down. You know, because what's going to happen? It's going to pop up in a different area in your flesh. And pretty soon, you're going to run out of trying to pop these things back down because every time you try to push the flesh down with the flesh, it's going to pop up in a different area in your flesh. But if you take care of problems by the Spirit of God and with His help, it'll be gone. And you won't have to do it again and again and again. It's His strength that we're looking to, not our strength. Now let's get into this a little bit. This is where we were last week. I mean, we're speaking on, going, we're going forward with that, but this is the scripture that we're leaving off. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy burden, or, or you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, you see two animals yoked together. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So we are partners with him. We're fellow workers with him. He's giving us something to do, but it's not you going off and doing it. Woo! Here, I'm going to go do this for Jesus. You are, we are supposed to be getting our assignment from him and then doing it with him because it's his deal, not our deal. We are doing what he asked us to do. In other words, it's not your job. It's not your relationship. It's not your ministry. We ought to be doing things on his behalf. It's his deal, and we're just doing what he's called us to do. See, now we are fellow workers. We're partners with him. When he's saying, yoke, take my yoke, take my, uh, you know, if you can imagine two animals yoked together, he's saying, you come with me, work with me. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is what? It's light. Now we're going to read this in a few translations. It's going to come out more, more clear. He is not this beating you down. He is not do it and getting in your face and causing you to stress out. That's not him. Religion will try to make it look like that. The world does this. 
the spirit of the world is you fend for yourself. I'm not fending for you. You're fending for yourself. And it's dog eat dog, everybody to his own. Well, that's not the spirit of God. God is not telling you just go off and do it yourself. We're supposed to depend on him. Well, the spirit of the world will tell you that's weak. You're, you're going to what? You're going you're gonna to work, you're going to rely on a God? Why don't you just do it yourself? Stand up on your own two feet. See, this is backwards. Jesus said, you're doing what you do on behalf of me. So, of course, it's his work. You told me, to, he told me to do it, so I'm going to lean on him to help me do it. See, if you're just thinking you're going to go off and do it, well, it's your work. If it's your work and you're trying to do it alone, well, that's what's going to happen. You're going to try to do it alone. But that's not the way we're supposed to work. We're supposed to be working with him. Let's look at it in the New Living Translation. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Do you think he knows some things that we could learn from? Does Jesus know more than us? Let's just, we should have a better response that, than that. Does Jesus know more than we know? Yes. Is there any question about that? Jesus is God. Does he know more than you and I know? Does he know more about your situation right now than you know? Does he know exactly the path you need to take? Well, then any intelligent person would say, I need his help and I'm going to rely on him because after all, I know this much and have this much experience relative to what has been. And he, you, you could just imagine it as an illustration, if this is my experience and his room, this volume represents his experience, I know nothing. Yet that is a complete understatement of the situation. It's more like I know this much and he knows the universe. That means I, I know next to zero. You can't even see this down the street, let alone three planets over. So if, if, I, if I'm navigating my life and I'm doing what... See, if he asked me to do something, I'm doing what he told me to do, and I'm working with him, well, I'm, I should be checking back going, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this the right thing? Is this the way? What do you think? Because he can see everything. He knows everything. Why would the God of the universe, who is just so vast, have to put so much pressure on one little human being like they are going to save the world? I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about us, the way we sometimes act. See, Jesus already bore the heavy lifting because he was God. His shoulders are wide and they can handle it. Yours aren't. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. We are, in ourselves, in our flesh, we're nothing in relation to the Almighty. He doesn't, the Bible says in one place, he is not impressed with the legs of a man. In other words, you look at somebody and somebody will go, oh, they're a specimen. God's not impressed. God? He's not impressed with your physique. He's not impressed with anybody's intelligence, anybody's looks, anybody's bank account, anybody's relationships, connections. That doesn't impress him. So why would he have to put so much pressure as if he's relying on a little human being when he is the Almighty? He doesn't. That's not the Spirit of God. 
And anything that tries to weigh down and say, well, you need to do it, you're, I mean, after all, you're all that, you need to take, it's not, that's pride. See, Jesus is saying, you can learn from me. Learn what I'm telling you to do. And we realize he's God. Well, of course, Master, I can learn from you. I don't know anything. What do you want me to do? You want me to, how do I do that? You want me to do this? Okay, how about that? How, what, how do you think I should do that? What's the way? What's the path? The attitude of, well, I'm going to go off and do it, and i got to do more, and it's so hard, but I can bear up and do it. That's, that's not his attitude. He's not asking anybody to do that. Now, will he ask you to submit your will? Yeah, maybe we'll get to that here. But he's not going, oh, it's just so hard, but you can handle it because you know you're a strong Christian. This is your ministry, but you can... That's pride. That's how people get tripped up. That sounds like I'm going to go get crucified because, you know, that's really going to forward the gospel. I mean, we can see, because we, we understand some of the, the scriptures, you could be asking the question, why do they think they need to be crucified? Don't they know Jesus was crucified? Well, that's a lot the way some of our actions look in life when we're trying to basically kill ourselves, trying to carry out what we think is his work. And somebody, if you look, if they, if you, sometimes even ourselves, we'd step back, we were going, why are they trying to kill themselves? Don't they know that Jesus already took this? Why do they think they have to do so much here? Don't they know that he's the Savior and you're just a little part of his plan? Why do you think you've got to do it all? It's the same thing. It's the same thing, guys. We are not the superheroes. Jesus is. None of us is the one that's supposed to be exalted. We are just fellow workers with him. And that's not, I mean, we are with him, but it's not like, you know with him like equals. Thank God in Christ we are the sons and daughters of God, but you're not God. Okay? You are a son of God, but you're not the son of God. There's a difference. You are a child of God, but you're not the Almighty. Thank God for the position we have in Christ, but let's not get too big for our britches. He is God. We are not. There is one God, and I am not him, and you are not him. Amen? So he said, take my yoke upon me. Take, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. If he's humble, shouldn't we be humble? See, the devil wants to tell you, no, you need to do it, because you're the only one that can do it. Jesus said he's humble. Let me... So let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is crushing to bear. And all, in fact, only a few people in the world can do it. And you may or, not be, may or may not be one of them. We'll see if you have what it takes. Is that what he said? My yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I, the burden I give you is what? What are we talking about? We're talking about in his name. What does that mean? We're doing things that he told us to do. We're doing it commissioned by him. What does that mean? He gave us them to do. And the burden that he gave us is light. 
If we add burdens and we start picking up other people's not godly ideas about all the stuff we should be doing, now it starts getting heavy because it's not just his burden, it's added burden. That's what becomes very difficult. The burden he gives us is light. So we need to be asking ourselves the question whenever we feel like stuff is getting overwhelming or it's too heavy, am I carrying his burden? Because he said, the burden I give you is light. Did he give me this or did I give me this or did I take somebody else's expectations and put it on me? Who gave me this? Because his burden is easy. His, his yoke is easy and his burden that he gives me is light. It's a check that we have to keep coming back to. When we start feeling like, no, this is too much, okay, what did I take on that I'm not supposed to be doing? Whose expectations am I trying to meet? Did I listen to somebody that thinks that's what they're, you know, am I trying to crucify myself again? Did I find myself in that trap again? Do I need to back off? Let's look at this in the Amplified. We we read this right at the end of, of last service. I want to get into this. Come to me, all you who are labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble or lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet. For your souls. He said he will give you rest. All these things. Relief and ease and refreshment and recreation. Quiet. Does that sound like just hard? Like you are just straining all the way. Just, just, uh, just unbearable, but you can do it because you're doing it for Jesus. It's not. Now look at this next verse. For my yoke is wholesome, it's useful, it's good, it's not harsh, it's not hard, it's not sharp, it's not pressing, but it's comfortable, it's gracious, and it's pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. I want to read those words again. My yoke is wholesome, it's useful and good. It's not harsh. So when you start feeling like something's harsh, I mean, you being crucified, you, you completely wearing yourself out is harsh. But it says it's not harsh, it's not hard, it's not sharp, it's not pressing, it's not pushing you. Got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. It's for God, it's for God. For God or with God? Did he ask you to do it? Because if he asked you to do it, this is what it looks like. Again, we're the, we're, the, we're the human being. We're not the Almighty. He's the one that gave us something to do, and we're supposed to walk with Him and do that. So did He give it to us? Because this is what His looks like. This is what the assignments look like. When we're talking about in His name and what we're doing, this is what it looks like. Not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, comfortable, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. Can the will of God be pleasant? It's pleasant. Wow, I'm just, it's just, it's really difficult. It's hard, but, you know, we're doing it for Jesus. Well, there may be some things we got to put down, lay down, but it's pleasant, comfortable. 
That's how Jesus himself was describing his yoke and his burden. Praise God. Ephesians 6.10, go ahead and um, put that up on the the screen. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, we are talking about working alongside Him, doing His work. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He strengthens you to do what He asked you to do. It's through Him that you have the strength, not in our own ability. You can do all things through Christ, not through you, not your ability, not your resources, not your connections. It's through Christ, through Him, that we're going to be able to do it. It is His work. It's not ours. We're doing it in His name, but it is His work. Let's look over uh, at Acts real quick. Acts, Acts 9, verse 15. Acts 9, verse 15. Uh, go ahead and get to Acts 9, 15, and then hold your place there. We're going to go over to Luke. Before we go to Acts. Luke. So we'll come back to Acts 9. But since you're almost there, put your finger there and then go over to Luke 22. Luke 22. Glory to God. Oh, he's faithful. He is a faithful, faithful, faithful God. His strength is ours. Luke 22, verse 41, this is Jesus, said, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not Jesus himself was looking to the Father and saying, not what I am doing, what I want to do, but what you would want to do. That's, that's our attitude, should be our attitude, that it's not what I want to do, but what he wants us to do. And what he wants us to do, Jesus suffered here in the flesh, putting down His will for the Father's will, but God gave Him the strength. God the Father strengthened Him, and He was able to carry out what He needed to carry out here on the earth for you and me. 
Now, he is our example. And he said, it's, he, he went to God and said, well, not what I need to do. It's what you would have me to do. And we need to ask ourselves that consistently. Am I doing what he would ask me to do? Or did I pick up something that I'm not supposed to have? Because those are the things that are going to become burdensome. And if we're doing something he didn't ask us to do, there's not going to be the strength that we need to get it done. The strength is where he has commissioned us. It's like if you are working for an organization and they commission you to do a certain work, the money is there for the commission project. It's not there for something you decide on the side that you want to do. If you have another project that you want to do in organizations I've been through, you got to get approval for that. You can't just get the money and decide, you know what, I know it was approved for this, but I'm going to use it for that, for something else. How many people have ever had that experience? You have to go and get authorization and help for a different project if you want to do that. God has given us the strength, the resources, the help for what He's asked us to do. And if things are starting to push on us and we're, we're either, like I said last week, we're doing one of two things. We're either looking at our current situation incorrectly and not looking at it that we can do what God asked us to do. If it is indeed what He asked us to do, then we need to buck up and say, regardless, I can do it in His strength and draw on that strength to do what He asked us to do. Or we've picked up something that's not what He asked us to do, and I don't care how much you pray, the money, the resources, the commissioning is not there to do that. So it's either we drop what we picked up that isn't Him, or we start believing that what He gave us to do, we can do. Hallelujah. So if He's given us something to do, and we say, we just can't do it, then we're fooling ourselves, we're not agreeing He's, he's not, we're not going to make available the strength. That would be like, you know, again, you working for a company and they're giving you something to do and you go to do the project and say, I just, I, I can't withdraw the money. I just, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time handing over the, 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 the charge card. I can't, I just have, I, I can't do it. If you went to your boss and told him that, it, I mean, you know, after a while they may get frustrated and go, dude, just, Get the job done. I gave you the resources. It's there, but you got to draw on them. Use them. Amen? Amen? But if you go off and try to do something that he didn't ask you to do, there's nothing there to do it. Like somebody said, if, if you do something, if God asks you to do something, he pays for it. If you decide you're going to do something, you pay for it. Why? Because we're here as ambassadors of Him. We're not here as, uh, as ambassadors of us. So we need to understand if it's something He asked us to do. If it's His... We need, so we need to pray like Jesus is not my will, but your will be done. Which things in my life are your will in the things you're giving me? And which things... There's something I wanted to do, but you didn't ask me to do them. But they might be good but they're sapping my strength. I really like to do them, but they're getting in the way of the mission. They're overwhelming me. I feel so busy, but there's some of this stuff he didn't ask me to do, but I really like it. See, 
we need to understand, and God's merciful and he's gracious. He won't go, stop it now, today. Cut out 50% of what you're doing. No human being is going to be able to change all their habits by tomorrow. If you've spent a few years getting them in place, unless it's a move of the Spirit of God, supernatural, he can do that. I've heard of people stop smoking like that. I've, you know, but, or any number of things, drugs, different things, habits, but the most likely way is you incrementally just by his strength, walking it day by day, he, you get more and more to be uh, in the vein that he needs you to be and get the things out that you don't need to be doing. And so we need to go before him. But go back to Acts 9.15. How are we doing? Acts 9.15. I'm going to look at Paul. We'll wrap up here. You guys okay? Acts 9, verse 15 says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. This is Ananias. So he's saying, he, he's talk, uh, the Lord is talking to Ananias and talking about Paul. So I just want to read you this because it's a comment about Paul. He is my chosen vessel, or he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So it was God's will for, for Paul to do certain things. Notice what he said. He's my chosen vessel, or my a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He is telling, he's, he's saying beforehand, Saul's going to do, this Paul uh, eventually, is going to do certain things for me. It, th those were in the will of God for Paul. Now from everything that we know, that we've read this point, is there strength for Paul to do what he's called to do? Even to bear his name before kings? Yes, because he was, that was part of his mission. Ver, um, we'll just put it up on this. Well, you can turn over to Acts 26 if you can real quick, because you're already in Acts. Acts 26, verse 14. And this is Paul's account. Now he's in the presence. I believe it's King Agrippa here. He is, he is sharing... His account. He said, When he had fought, we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order, that, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul's sharing. Jesus himself gave him a commission and told him what he's going to do. And... It was told that he was going to do other things and, and bear his name before Gentiles and kings. So does, God, does uh, Paul have the strength that he needs to do what God has called him to do? Yes. 
He's the one that wrote Ephesians 6.10, where we read, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. He wrote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means all things He told you to do. So 2 Corinthians 12.7, let's just put that up on the screen. So this is Paul again. He's writing this. In context of everything that he has been called to do, everything that he's doing, Paul could make a list and he could, be, he could whine if he so was so inclined about all the stuff he had done. But it was all within the will of God. He knew he was called in the will of God. And he knew that he needed to draw on God's strength to do what God asked him to do. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and in needs and in persecutions and in distresses. What? For Christ's sake. See, it's in Christ's name. It's in Christ's work. He's doing these things not because he made something up that he wanted to do. It's in the commission of what Jesus has asked him to do. And he takes pleasure in anything coming against him in that context because he knows he can do it. Because God asked him to. He said, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. So when I am doing what God asked me to do, I'm doing it in his name. I have every ability to do it. I can be strong to do it. I no matter, no matter what comes on, what pushes against, I have strength to be able to do it. Because he has given me the ability to do it. And his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And if I say, is it something he asked me to do, then, it, then it's in this category of easy and light, and I can have strength, and I can be girded up and helped to do that. All the time. Paul is saying here, I've been pressed and pushed, and I went to God. See, this... We're not going to get into this. We, you can know you could preach on this, and there's plenty of messages on this. But this, what was coming against him, this thorn in the flesh, it's not God putting sickness on him. Some people have misunderstood this, don't have time to go into anything. But if you just go through the Bible and look at the phrase thorn in the flesh, it always represents people. There's thorn in the flesh, these people in the Old Covenant. It said that they're going to be a thorn in your side. This was the persecutors that followed Paul everywhere, messing with him, stirring up the crowds. He would go start preaching. They'd go up, get the Jewish people stirred up. They would come after him. And he went to God and said, God, you got to help me. The, but the Bible says that all those that live godly will suffer persecution. We are not redeemed from persecution. And this is persecution. But God said in the middle of it, if you go back to... Um, Verse 8 says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So you're weak. You're getting hit. These people will not leave you alone. They're crazy. They're all, you go to the next city. They're already trying to stir everybody up. And Paul's like, Would you please get them out of my way? And God said, 
my strength is sufficient for you. You rely on me. This is part of what you're called to do. I'm not stirring them up, but Satan is pushing against you. This is persecution, but I've strengthened you. You can do it. He didn't go, I just can't do it. I mean, I don't know why. He, he was in the will of God. And so he said, I, my, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ, that means just weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I will take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. So he's saying, these things are coming against me. I felt pushed. I felt weak. But in spite of feeling weak, I'm relying on God's strength. And his strength is always there to do what he called me to do. And it is not too hard. It is not too burdensome. I can look at his strength or pull on his strength and I can be pulled up and helped for the journey. I can do what he called me to do in his strength and get the job done. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. He is a faithful God. He is not going to put you in a situation that's going to crush you. He doesn't do that. Men do that, and Satan does it over and over. But God won't. God won't. So when you feel pressed, when you feel like you can't make it, when you feel like it's too much, we're either doing stuff that he didn't ask us to do, or we're not acting like what he said is true concerning the stuff he did ask us to do. We're not believing that we have strength to do it. We don't, we're not believing that we have the resources to do it. We're not believing that we uh, have the know-how. Because what he asked us to do, we're going to be able to do. And it's not going to be too much for us. Hallelujah.